Come on, how many of us are ready for God's word? Are you really? I want you to lean in. I want you to believe. I want you to to expect and and to want to meet with God. And and today I want to talk to both singles and married folks. I'm going to have some, some some good instruction for marriage but not just for marriage, for relationships in general. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago, and I've been doing this spiral approach where I keep, I keep re, uh, revisiting certain topics, and, I, and I'm noticing that, that folks are not listening with the same intention that we used to years past. And maybe it's because of our current society. We're just so bombarded with information. We live in the most information-rich society in the, on the, like in the course of human history. That's what I'm trying to say. And, and I think sometimes we just get overloaded. And, and I know my kids, they sit in the front row. And so I was asking them, I said, questions do what? Questions tend to, and they're, yeah, just like they looked at me just like y'all did. You know, I've said that at least in five different messages. Questions tend to focus us. Questions set direction for us because it, it forced our, and, and so I started realizing, okay, I'm asking questions they can't answer, and yet I've preached on this. So I, I, I've, I've been feeling convicted to, to revisit topics so that it gets deep in your heart. It goes from here, just kind of on that front part of your brain where you're just kind of like, yeah, I understand it, to, the, to deep inside your heart. And we've talked about baggage. We talked about the things that we bring into relationships. Some are good and some are bad. Come on, how many of you know when you go on a camping trip, um, some things you bring are good and some things you probably could leave at home, right? But if you're, if you're, if you're trying to reach the summit of a great mountain, say K2 or, or uh, Everest, it makes, it makes a lot of difference what you bring, Right? You can't afford to bring baggage. And can I tell you, marriage is tougher than Everest. How many of us have figured that one out? It's tougher than Everest. You can't just bring stuff along and see if he'll make it with it. And so we, we get this baggage that we bring along and, and, and it's all, it, it, it leads to expectations. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But, but how many of us uh, had a great Valentine's Day? You know, I was at HEB and I saw one of our guys uh, from our church, he's a good looking kid, man. And I'm like, God, to be your age again. And I go, it's Valentine's Day. You know, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm just going to go home and I'm not doing much. I said, really? I said, man, show up on Sunday. I'll hook you up. I promise you, I'll find somebody for you. I will find somebody for you. And, uh, and then, you know, find a, I found a, somebody else and asked them, yeah, and, and they said, you know what, Valentine's just too much expectation. It's too much pressure. Come on, how many of us know that you can feel that way sometimes? Because the world is a way of putting pressure on you. And do you know more couples fight on Valentine's Day or on those anniversary days, on those days where we've set such a high level for ourselves, it's hard to meet up to it? And so I can be rem- I'm reminded of one particular gentleman busy gentleman. He's building his own business. His wife is busy. They're always going. And they said, this anniversary day is going to be the best one yet. And so they set a de- he, he set an anniversary. Uh, I mean, not an anniversary, a reservation. He asked her to get ready. Trey, would you put my time up there? Would you please, son? Or I will go right into third service. <laughs> and so, um, so 
you know, he tells her to be ready. He's got a surprise for her. She's all excited because she knows it's her, it's her anniversary and that he remembered. Well, the day comes and he forgets. He gets caught up working. Come on, guys, can I get an amen? He gets caught up working. He's trying to make a living. He's slaving, doing. At least that's the way we bring, we, we approach it. And next thing you know, he looks up, the time's gotten away from him, Josh. He goes, oh my gosh, he jumps in his car, he closes his laptop first, then he jumps in his car and he rushes down. She's already ready, he comes bursting through the door. And he's like, oh honey, go, I've got the car nice and cool for you, sit down, I'm just gonna run upstairs and, and get ready, we'll still make our reservation. So he runs upstairs, he gets ready, she realizes she forgot something inside, she closes the car door and she... She turns around to see him coming out, closing the door behind him, and that locks. Now they're sitting there looking at each other, and he says, what's wrong? She says, I locked the car keys in the car. Pressure starts to mount, and he's been hurrying, and he's frustrated, and he says, how could you be so some of you finished it for me. Oh my God, what is wrong with y'all? You need marriage counseling. He says, how could you be so dumb? She just puts a little smile on her face and he says, I just, I've always asked God, how could you create something so beautiful yet so? She says, baby, I'll, I'll tell you how. See, he created you smart so you would love me. But he created me dumb so I would love you. <laughs> Sometimes we just have to learn how to do some humble spiritual jujitsu, some emotional jujitsu, and say, you know what, we're just going to turn that around. I'm not going to let it stick on me. We're going to learn that, that we've got to work through this. Amen. Can I tell you, we've got to work through some things. Because every single relationship is marked by what we bring in. And we bring in a lot of wants, wishes, and dreams and desires. Wants and wishes, dreams and desires. And so we've been lugging this stuff around all our lives. And we've actually been picking up some extra stuff along the way. And we've been picking up all kinds of stuff and we just keep lugging it around. And typically what we're looking for, can I ask you, we're not looking for someone that, that you can say to them, can I just please carry your stuff? We're typically looking for someone to help us with our stuff, right? Can, can you take this? Would you take this? Oh, you're not the one. I'll keep looking, right? And we just keep looking. By the time we find the one, we're like, man, I'm tired. Here you go. I got some junk. I mean, I got some great stuff for you. You, you are my God-given gift. You are my helper, right? And you say, but pastor, is that a bad thing? It can be bad. How so? Well, the truth is, this creates expectations. So we lug this stuff around and then we find someone and we put expectations on them. What are expectations? Expectations is the way I want you to act. 
and you start, the problem with expectations, it changes from, hey, I would like to, I expect to, you owe me. Oh, notice how the progression went. You owe me. And, and when you have expectations, it turns into a negotiation. What do you mean by a negotiation? A negotiation is when we're, we're trying to win. What do I mean by that? I mean, you know what? I have certain things I want you to do, but you have certain things you want to do. Uh, uh, simple things like, are we going to go to my parents' house for the holidays or your parents' house? Well, I have certain expectations, so I start fighting for those. It's a negotiation. And typically, the best negotiator wins. And it doesn't always have to be the guy. It doesn't always have to be the girl. It just depends on, on who's better at it. And it's like, oh, I got so ready, and I know that she's really good with her words, but I prepared and I prepared, and then she just steamrolled me again. So guess what? It's time to not fight fair. I'm sick of fighting fair. This negotiation is going to go hostile. What do I mean by going hostile? Hostile means there's a hostage involved. So what hostage do we have? Usually work towards your strength. Ladies, you tend to go, okay, you're not going to fight fair. You're not going to be nice. You know what? I'm not going to be nice either. You're not going to get the cookie if you don't do it. Some of you say, did he just go there? Well, don't you? Well, guys go, okay. You're going to do me like that? You're going to put me on a... On a sugar-free diet? <laughs> Some of y'all are saying, man, we should have sent our kids to 3D. <laughs> you're going to put me on a sugar-free diet? Guess what? Now, you're not going to get the warmth, the love, and that closeness that you so desperately want in an emotional intimacy. I'm going to be mean. Guys can start being mean. You say, that's called a stiff arm. Well, you stiff arm me first, so I'm going to stiff arm you back. Guess what happens when that takes place? See, a negotiation that gets to that point is focused on winning. And you might win. I might win, but we lose. Come on. I might win, you might win, but we lose. Come on, turn to your spouse. Say, I might win, you might win, but we lose. See, the key is to win, come on now. The key is to win together. Can we say that again? The key is to win together. See, but this is the thing. All of us are running around looking for someone to meet our needs. Now, all of those needs are not bad. Come on, some of them are God-given needs. How many of you know that the need to be respected is a good need? The need to be respected can motivate you to be of good character. The need to be admired can lead you to be a hard worker, to be courageous, to be all of these things that, that a person would, would admire. 
What else do we need? We have a need to be prioritized. Who wants to be last on the list? I want Melissa to prioritize me. Is that a bad thing? I want to come before her friends. I want to come before her hobbies. She wants to come before my business or my my work or even the church. That's a good thing. But when do these things go from being needs to greeds? Our wants are needs, some of them. We just talked about those good things. But when do they go from needs to greeds? See, a greed is different than a need when it metastasizes. A cell is good until it becomes cancerous. Then it begins to what? Kill other cells. And a, and a, a need can be a good thing. I want, to be a, I want to be respected. I want to be admired. I want to be valued. But what about when that turns into a greed and now you need to validate me? Now you need to be what props me up and makes me feel good. You need to fix me. And I don't like the way I feel, so I'm requiring you to change that. And I need you to be a certain way, tell me a certain thing, and constantly serve me so that... But maybe that's just baggage that you've carried along the way. And you desperately want to give it to someone. You say, but pastor, then... Then if, they, if we don't help each other with our baggage, then what do we do with it? Well, typically, typically marriages are faced with a few options. One option is to get mean. What do I mean get mean? We get nasty and frustrated with each other and we get snippy. So you don't help me and you're no good to me. Well, guess what? Well, you're this and you're that. And before you know it, just always bickering. You ever seen a marriage like that? That's not a good marriage. How about, how about the second option? We just ignore it. I get it. We stick our head in the sand. Eventually, it'll go away. You look up. Oh, you're still here. <laughs> right? It, it doesn't work that way. Some of you are going, but man, when I was in college, I made it through a four years of a horrible roommate. That way. I just ignored them. Yeah, that's what you become, roommates. Mm. Okay, how about, how about number three? Number three is not we get mean, not we, get, we ignore one another, but number three is how about we stay busy? We jam-pack our lives with, with, with busyness. What do I mean by busyness? I don't care what it, I get involved at work. I try to grow a second business. I take a second job. I find girlfriends. I find friends to go golfing with. I take on hobbies. I do whatever it takes to just stay busy. How about I resign, number four, I resign myself to the fact that this is as good as it gets. You know, I was told as a young kid that marriage is like a three ring circus. The first ring is the engagement ring. The second ring is the wedding ring. And the third ring is the suffering. (laughs) So this is as good as it gets. We just resign to the fact that we grin and bear it. We're doing it for the kids. Let's stick it out. We don't have to like each other. How about number five? Number five option is I find someone else. I'm done, I just find someone else. 
Can I just speak to our singles for a minute? Singles, you have baggage. And oftentimes, you get so tired of carrying this bag. Like right now, I'm tired. My neck's hurting right in here. I'm in the first service. I had my, I was dumb enough to wear it with my jacket. I was sweating. I wanted to unload the baggage. Some of us are like, man, my biological clock is ticking. I need to unload this baggage quick. Anyone will do. <laughs> you know, I, Oh, he's great. Your mom's going, no, he's not. Oh, yes, he is. He's willing to help me with my baggage. (laughs) Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Listen, when you first meet someone, they're always on their best behavior. Now, there's a new thing happening in this generation as we say, we realize that. That's why we want to shack up, live together to really see when Jack will come popping out. I want to see when, when Mr. from, what was it, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I want to see when Mr. Hyde comes out. I want to see what happens when she really sees how I am and I see how she is. Do you realize that if you do it without the commitment of marriage, you are actually setting yourself up for disaster? So you might as well just break up and save yourself the trouble. There's a psychology and science has finally started to realize that the couples that live together, they have way more challenges once they get committed than those that waited and did it God's way. Now I'll talk more about that in a later message, but right now take my word for it. So you say, well then how do I deal with it? What you have to understand is time is on your side and time is your friend. As a matter of fact, if you've been divorced, when you get divorced, you're basically taking your baggage back and saying, um, and, and guess what you do along the way because you get hurt in divorce, you pick up more baggage. And so you're looking to unload it and couples, people rush into relationships, listen, not to be Jesus, but because they desperately want help with their baggage. They desperately want help with their lives. No one gets into a relationship rushing wise saying, I just can't wait to be second. I can't wait to be last. I can't wait to serve someone else. I can't wait to say I'm sorry first. I can't wait to just get in the back of the line. I can't wait to put everyone before me in this next relationship. Always put the other person before me. No one does that. What they're typically saying is, my neck and my back is killing me. Can you help me? Some of you are going, Pastor, why won't you put it down? No one's taking it. <laughs> Can I tell you, nobody wants your baggage. You say, Pastor, then what do I do with it? Well, we've had a couple options. We're still at the point where you find somebody else, but, but this is what I was going to tell, tell you, that they're on their best behavior, They don't want your baggage because they're looking for the same thing you're looking for, help with theirs. So if you're looking for help and they're looking for help, that's a recipe for disaster because your expectations aren't going to match. So someone came to me the other day, they're, they're single, but they're dating and they're wanting to get married. And they said, we need marriage counseling. And I said, but you're not married. Yes, but we're fighting like we are. 
I said, it's easy. You don't need marriage counseling. They go, oh, really? You got what we need. I said, you have, I have exactly what you need. Find somebody else. <laughs> They're like, what kind of pastor are you? I'm realistic. If you're having that much trouble and you're not even married yet, you're not good for each other. Find someone that you're good with. Amen? Because you don't want to start behind the eight ball. Listen, if you're already gasping for air and you haven't even gotten to base camp yet, Everest is too big for you. This ain't the right person to... Marriage is going to test you. So, uh, some of y'all are going, man, I don't like this pastor. You can try the, another one next week, but right now you're stuck. Just hang out for a minute. Just hang out for a minute. I'm just kidding. Listen, listen to me. What I'm trying to get you to understand is oftentimes the signs are there. But we are so fixed on, I just need somebody, and they're showing me all the right signs. Anybody will do, let's do this. I said, Pastor, well then how do I work through my, we have to be introspective. See, that was a, a, a concept we talked about a few weeks ago. To be introspective is you gotta look at yourself very, very closely and, and, and turn eyes on you and to say, why do I react in this way? Why do I get short-tempered? Why do I get frustrated? Why do I feel attacked? Why do I get defensive? Why do I... Typically, there's a wound there, or there's hurt, or there's some baggage that needs to be dealt with. You say, well, get back to the singles. I like when you talk to them. <laughs> Can I tell you something, singles? If your mama is telling you, I don't know about her, I don't know about him, you better listen to mama. Can I get an amen for the mamas? I'm just saying, they have a, they have a, but my mama don't like anybody. Well, then that's a different story, but <laughs> it's not like Justin Bieber, right? And my mama likes everyone. Some of you are going, what are you talking about? It's a song. Never mind. Never mind. Um, what I'm trying to get you to understand is you need to pay attention to the sign. Sometimes your mom might, might have the sign. Sometimes your friends will say, hey, we're seeing something. What's going on here? And rather than rushing into it, take the time to try to sort some things out, to pray through some things. And that's what we're going to the, to the last option. And I, don't, I didn't put it the last option because I want you to keep it at the last option. I put it the last option because oftentimes we come to it at the end of our rope, where we finally say, okay, if finding, someone's not the, if finding someone else is not the option, if getting frustrated is not the option, if putting my head in the sand and ignoring it's not the option, if getting busy and doing all these crazy things is not the option, then what is the option? How about God? But how about getting desperate? See, someone told me the other day, I said, I've been trying God. And I said, okay, do you, do you show up at church every time the doors open? Well, no, because we're taking kids here and we're doing this and we're doing that. Guess what? You're not going to be doing any of that if you break up. When was the last time you prayed like an hour for your marriage? An hour? I don't pray an hour. You're not trying God. Trying God is not like when you're frustrated going, hey God, won't you do something for me? 
Trying God is saying, I'm going to seek you out. I'm going to find myself in your presence. I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to be diligent because nothing else matters to me. I'm going to get desperate about praying. I'm going to get serious about praying. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to invoke your presence. God, I need you, Lord. I need you. Oh, it ain't that serious. We need to lay hands on you. <laughs> I mean, it is that serious. Family is that serious. So I'm going to give you some advice that I found in First Peter. Now you say, who is Peter? Peter is the disciple of God that was just like you and me. Why do we love Peter? Because you can see yourself in Peter. Peter was arrogant, he was boastful, he was quick-tempered, he was just like, he jumped before he, he looked, and he just has a little bit of all of us, or there's a little bit of us in Peter, is there not? And you know what I love about that is that he shows us that if he can change, so can we. But this is the beauty of, of, of where we find Peter's advice. This is after an entire lifetime of working it out. And many scholars believe he wrote this, listen to me very closely, right before he was, he was put to death. More than likely, he was put to death by Emperor Nero, who was killing just multitude of Christians. He was lighting his gardens with Christians impaled and covered in tar as he would set them ablaze. He was an evil emperor, and here Peter knows that his time is drawing near, and he's given us the very best of relationship advice. This isn't just to couples, but it definitely applies to couples, but it applies to any relationship. And, and this is what he says. He says, now you might read this and you might say, it might smack of being really religious or super spiritual, but can I tell you, it only feels that way and sounds like that because we're so used to the world speaking to us that when someone comes and says, this is what Jesus taught me, sometimes it feels like, whoa, wait a minute. That sounds weird. So, so read with me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. And Peter says this, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. So right off the bat, he says, if you're young, learn to take advice from, from someone older than you and wiser. And he's saying, I've learned this, and this is what I've learned, is the key to relationships. Yes, all of you are to be submissive to one another. He's talking about a mutual submission that is found throughout Scripture. Do you know Paul says that's the key to marriage, is a mutual submission? Paul says it really is about a submission competition. Who will submit first? Who will say, I'm sorry, first? Who will go to the other person and say, I love you first? Who will be the one to take the blame first? Who, what if we were to constantly compete to do that? How long would an argument last? 
think about that. Arguments last when we're like, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. What if we said, it's my fault. No, it's my fault. And we argued about who's faulted. Like, and we said, it's both of our faults. Can we just love each other? Oh, that's ridiculous. To the world it is. But what if God is saying there's a better way? No, not what if. He is saying there's a better way. Listen to Peter saying, Peter saying, submit to one another. Paul says the same thing when he gives advice in Ephesians to the couples. He says, submit to one another. Be quick. Be quick to submit. Man, I'm going to cover submission later, but, but right now I just want to share with you that that this is important. Listen to this. Be clothed with humility for God. You say, but wait a minute. So the key is humility. Humility. What is humility? I've heard of that. I've heard of that. Some of you are going, oh, I got it. I'm so humble. (laughs) Yeah, that'll hit you maybe when you go home. If you're feeling that, like, a proud man doesn't know he's proud. <laughs> just, just let that sink in for a minute. The truth of the matter is humility is not just something you think you are. It's something you act like. So what you can do to be humble is just go back to that little, that little phrase that we used to say a few years ago. WWJD. What would Jesus do? Just say, what would Jesus do in this situation? How would he respond? Would he respond out of frustration? Oh, that's easy. Jesus would say, I'm right because I'm perfect. It's your fault. I think you're missing the point. Let me ask you this way. Instead of what would Jesus do, what would a humble person do? See, when you ask the right question, it begins to focus you. And you say, what would a humble person do? What a humble person wouldn't insist on being right. A humble person would know that there's more to it than winning this argument. It's about building both of us. What would a humble person do? So I have another story for you. There's a man, he has worked his way up to be the CEO of a Fortune 100 company. That means it's the largest uh, 100 companies here in the U.S. And he's going to be honored at a gala uh, that night and this night. And so... They're running a little late. His wife comes down the stairs. She's sparkling and she says, what do you think? He says, I think you're late. Let's get in the car. (laughs) Come on, guys. We've been there. Let's not judge them so harshly when we're looking at that time and we're like. So they jump in the car. She doesn't let it bother them. The light comes on. Ding. I need gas. I got to get gas. I think we have enough time. So they pull over. They're looking for a gas station, looking for a gas station. There on the outskirts of town, there's a gas station kind of tucked back away from everything. And they pull in. The attendant comes out. He says, please fill her up. He doesn't want to sit there and make conversation with his wife. So he goes inside to get some mints. As he's going inside to get some mints, he notices that the attendant is filling up the car, but he's He's in a real good conversation with his wife. And they're talking and they're laughing and having a good time. He comes back, they paid for the gas. He gets in the car, they drive off. He says, I noticed you were, they don't say a word to each other. So he kind of, curiosity gets the best of him. He says, I noticed you were talking to him pretty good. I mean, do you, do you know him? He said, oh yeah, I used to date him in high school. 
Ooh, <laughs> the intrigue. Yeah, I used to date him in high school. And he kind of gets a little smug look on his face and he says, well, aren't you glad you married me and now I'm, you know, you're, a, you're married to a Fortune 100 CEO rather than a gas station attendant. She says, oh no, you should be happy because if I had married him, he'd be the CEO and you'd be the gas <laughs> station attendant. <laughs> Humility. If you don't humble yourself, God will use your wife to humble you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding you guys are going, man, pastor, you're killing me on this. No, the Bible says that God resists the proud, that he will find a way to humble you because if you want to be all that God has for you to be, you've got to put yourself in a position where he can work with you. You say, but wait a minute, I don't know if God, I like the fact that God stiff arms me. Well, let me ask you this. Don't you stiff arm proud people? How many times do you like hanging around proud people? Do you like being, against, being around arrogant folks? Do you like being around people that think they're always right and are constantly just have a stench of pride on them? Well, neither does God. And so we should be humble. Now listen to this. He resists the proud, but he gives a gift that's undeserved to those that humble themselves. You want to help with your marriage? Man, this is getting tough. You want help with your baggage? You want help with your marriage? You want help to make things go? Humble yourself. Cry out to God and ask him for help. Listen to what the Bible says. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Put yourself under God's hand. That means what he says goes. That means what he desires goes. Give away your desires and take on a See, the, the, the last option should actually be our first option when we realize marriage is bigger than I can handle. That requires humility to say, I can remember getting married and actually being arrogant enough to think, I'm going to crush this. People have no idea how easy Pastor Melissa and I are going to make it work. We weren't even pastors at the time. We're going to be like, man, people are going to be rushing to us like, tell me the secret of your marriage, Chris Pena. <laughs> it wasn't until life's worries and cares started crushing us that I got desperate enough to go, I need help. There's someone here that has been too arrogant to ask God for help. Come on now. Can I help you? I'm trying to help you if you let me. But if you humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, then God will begin to raise you up, to lift you up, to protect you, to provide for you, to begin to help you deal with the things that have hurt you in the past that you've brought in. Help you deal and get healthy so that you can go forward healthy and whole instead of broken, busted, and disgusted. This is what God desires. Listen to this. Cast all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. You know the word cast literally means hurl. Hurl with desperation like hurl. Man, I am desperate because I've been carrying this for two services now. And so what we want to do is just say, God, this belongs to you. I don't want to carry this and my partner doesn't want to carry it. That's too polite. 
Some of you are, are too polite and too dignified for your own good. He actually gets this from King David. Now, if you know anything about King David, David is a passionate man. And he doesn't mess around. He's a warrior king. He has killed more people than you know. They used to brag about him, say, Saul has killed thousands, but David, tens of thousands. This is a man's man. But when he gets serious about approaching God, he approaches him with all of his heart. Turn in your Bibles with me to Psalms. Chapter 55, verse 12, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it, nor is it one who hates me, who has what exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man, my equal, my companion, my acquaintance. We used to take sweet counsel, communion together. We used to hang out in God's house. He comes to God desperate. He's saying, I am broken, God. You know who I believe he's talking about? I believe he's talking about Jonathan, who vowed a blood oath to be with David, and Jonathan Think about it. How did Saul keep knowing where David was? His best friend kept betraying him. And now David knows it. Sometimes marriage feels like my best friend has betrayed me. What am I supposed to do? Some of us go, well, well God, can you help me? No, I think we need to come to God with, with a passion we need to come to God and say, Lord, you say, cast my cares upon you. Listen to this. Listen to this. He says, let death seize them. Am I supposed to pray that about my spouse? <laughs> wow, this is getting good. <laughs> let them go down into hell. No, sometimes we say that to each other, to hell with you. Why don't we say it to God? Not to hell with you, God, but to hell with her, God. To hell with him. See, rather than bringing that against each other, why don't you take it to God where he can do something about it? Uh-oh, some of you go, I don't know if I like this. I got like two people clapping. No, really, some of us are comfortable saying all kinds of things to each other, but why not going to God? Well, I've been taught to be reverent and not to treat God this way. Well, watch David, who was a man after God's own heart. Listen to what he does. He says, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me evening and morning and noon. All day long I will pray, I will cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. Keep going with me. Keep going with me because he finally gets to the point where he says, verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. 
What you're literally saying is this, I've gotten to the point where I'm done trying to do it in my own strength and in my own power and thinking that I've got it figured out. I'm so desperate now that I need help with this and I'm gonna stop trying to negotiate and and find a way to have somebody else carry it. The only one that can truly carry it is God. Come on, the only one that can truly carry it is God. Where you get desperate enough to go, Lord, it's yours, take it. Take it, take it. I thought for a minute when that hit, my laptop's in there, but no, my laptop's up there. But it's like, take it, you throw yourself on the altar, and you go, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just too dignified for them. Don't worry, before Everest is done with you, you will be up here too. Because marriage has a way of breaking you so that God can lift you up. So that God can lift you up. You say, oh, pastor. Well, this is where we finish. In some of my deepest, darkest moments, I apologize to Pastor Melissa, and Pastor Melissa said, no, no, don't apologize, baby. Preach it well. Because I already know that God in those moments of desperation, he, he fixed you. That's exactly what happened. I'm crying out to God. I'm going, Lord, this woman you gave me, I'm going to wring her neck. I can't. Ah! It's like, she was like, I'd get so upset. And she goes, that's not Christ-like. I'd like, And so I go to the Lord and I start to hurl my prayers on him and I start to go to hell with her, God. And then somebody goes, really? I am Hispanic. <laughs> Some of y'all, y'all argue like this. Well, well, honey, I just don't know about that. Just, no, that's not the way I argue. <laughs> and so... I'm sitting there and I'm telling God about it and God's just listening, he's listening, he's listening. He finally says, okay, now, now, now humble yourself. Lord, I'm, I'm here. I'm here, God. He says, okay, you, 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 you're nice and low and humble. This is what you're doing. No, don't talk to me about what I'm doing. I don't want to hear it. Every time I come to you, it's about what I'm doing. He says, well, when I talk to her, it's about what she's doing. But when I talk to you, it's about what? See, but some of us think we're perfect. Can I tell you that's the opposite of humble? When you really humble yourself, you're saying to God, God, would you do something in me that only you can do? And I know I've needed it done for a long time. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come up. And I'm going to ask you to just humble your heart right before the Holy Spirit. Say, what is it, God, that you've been trying to work in me? Come on, mix it up with the Lord right now. God, I know I have some tendencies and I try to deflect it and I try to make it about somebody else. But but what is it about me that you want to work in me, God? But, but no, no, but, but it's him, but it's her. No, as long as you think that way, you're going to remain stuck. 
Let God talk to you right here, right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would have your way in our hearts. That you would have your way in our hearts. And Lord, that you would give us the courage to come and pray about that with some brother and sister and begin to let go. To trust you with those things we've carried for far too long. In Jesus' name, would you come pray? I want you to come pray right now. Come on, everybody's coming. Just come on. Let's encourage our folks. Come on. Come on. Let's just begin to stand and sing and worship the Lord. And just come and pray. Leave it at the, leave it at the altar.